Hey, podcast friends, are you or someone you know in need of some custom college gear? Prep Sportswear carries a wide variety of college fan gear and apparel, including T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, hats, and so much more. So whether you're getting ready to go to the game, hanging out on campus, organizing a college bed decorating party, or you're simply looking to build upon your college gear, Prep Sportswear has you covered. Check out our Prep Sportswear affiliate partnership link in the show notes for all the details. As an affiliate partner with Prep Sportswear, the podcast does receive a small commission if you make a purchase. But rest assured that we would only promote products that we believe in and feel that would benefit our listeners. And now, back to the show. Welcome to The Cap, the college admissions process podcast. I am your host, John Durante, and it gives me great pleasure to introduce to you today Justin Wenzel, who's the Senior Assistant Director in the Office of Admission at Lynn University in beautiful Boca Raton, Florida. Justin, thank you so much for being here today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's nice that we're able to sit down and do this. And yeah, you're correct. It is uh, beautiful in Boca. I was just <laughs> down there last week. And it honestly doesn't matter what time of year. It's just a special place to be. Absolutely. I've been there many times and I know a lot of people that go to Lynn and have graduated Lynn. So I'm very excited about this conversation. So Justin, what can you tell us about Lynn University that makes it so appealing for so many students to want to apply and ultimately attend? Right. So, I mean, we are that smaller, more intimate university. So if you're looking for more of a personalized education where you're going to have that one-on-one -on -one attention, I think that's what is very appealing to people. You know, I started out, I transferred three times as an undergraduate, and I don't suggest that, of course. <laughs> However, it took a while for me to find the right place. And, you know, I thought I was, I was a college athlete and I thought I wanted to go um, to, to play in higher education and I immediately went down to Texas and I was a college gymnast and cheerleader and awesome. I'm from Pennsylvania. So I originally, when I came from Pennsylvania, I was like a big fish in a small pond. And then when I went to Texas for gymnastics and cheerleading, you know, I was like not as great <laughs> as everyone else. So I quickly realized I was like, maybe this isn't for me at a division one school. And I transferred to a community college. Then I went to a, a state school and graduated from there in Pennsylvania. But what I'm saying is like, you just got to figure out the right um, place of learning for you and what, like, I'm a physical hands-on learner. I like the one-on-one -on -one setting. So I really think that's what appeals to Lynn uh, students. Uh, I'd say that we're pretty forward-thinking, ever-changing, you know, as the industries change and academics change, we're moving forward with that. And then we also um, have block scheduling, which I can talk about deeper later on in the conversation. But uh, you're not taking five or six classes at once. You're taking one class at a time for four weeks, for four days a week. And then, uh, you know, you take your final and you move on. So it was really preparing you for the real world as well. And then finally, I just would say, as we mentioned, the weather, the climate, the entire environment and atmosphere of being in South Florida is uh, a great place to be. My whole mood just changes when I go down to South Florida. <laughs> Well, that's a great overview. You talked about the weather, of course, the smaller, more intimate university. And I especially appreciate the story that you shared, how you transferred multiple times. And it's a lesson to students and their parents that you always have choices, but it's also important to remember that there is a school, there's actually many schools for each and every student. 
but not every school is for every student. So it's very important to take your time, be mindful, and find the right fit for you. And if you end up in a place like you did where it wasn't the right fit, you could always transfer it. So don't worry about that. So again, we appreciate the overview, Justin. And so what can you tell us about life on campus outside of the classroom? And for example, do most students stay on campus during the weekends? In other words, so many students and their parents, they're really interested in knowing about the social life, the social aspect outside of the classroom. Sure. Yes. So we actually had our record-breaking year um, last year with over 850 students who enrolled for their first year. And our retention rate keeps on skyrocketing as well, too. So um, there's always things to do on campus. I would say about 85% of our students actually live on campus. And so we're not a very big commuter school, even though some some do make that choice. It's really up to them. And, um, you know, of course, the beach is three miles away. We have pools on campus, <laughs> but there are so many other things to do on campus. We are Division II sports. So if you're interested in playing NCAA, maybe you want to play intramural, there's always uh, those options as well. We have over uh, 40 different clubs and organizations to be a part of, anything from uh, academic-based programs to religious-based programs, um, cultural-based programs. So really, there's something for everyone. And if there's not, you can always create your own club, too, as long as you have support, you know, other students who want to dive into that as well. And then we also have this thing called First 40. So the first 40 days of school in the fall, we have 40 activities. So there's... uh, (laughs) One activity a day for 40 days straight, it, whether it's uh, bringing in like a petting zoo or having food trucks come in. Maybe we'll have a movie night in the pool. We, we always are planning activities for students to do. Well, that's terrific. I love the first 40, giving students an activity a day for the first 40, which is a great way to foster that sense of family and community on your campus, especially for the new students. I appreciate you mentioning that the retention rate continues to rise, which is also a very important thing that we talk about a lot throughout the podcast. And 85% of your students live on campus, so you're not a big commuter school, which is an important fact for students and their parents to know. So let's get into the application process itself. What is Lynn's approach to the admissions process, particularly in terms of the criteria and factors considered when reviewing applications? Again, this is something that students and parents are very mindful of. They want to learn more about it because they want to know what happens when they hit that submit button on their application, Justin. Yeah, and I I totally understand that. I'm a first-generation college graduate, so I understand how important and um, stressful it can be as well. But we are on the Common App. And then we have an application ran on our website, too, for people to apply with. But when I'm looking at applications, first of all, I'm looking at every single application. I read my territory. We read by territory. So I have New York. I'm reading all New York applicants. And we're doing that holistic review. But I would say what we're looking for most is potential in students. Like, we don't want the perfect 4.0 A student, you know, 1300 SAT we want to see that we can help the students grow in all areas. So if, you have a, if you're a B-minus student, that's cool with us. We want to take you and develop you in all areas. So academics, social life, uh, you know, we want to see that you're being a productive member of society once you leave Lynn and that you come back and, and be a part of our alumnus and also being, you know, getting your career ready too. So we're looking for potential. I'd say that's like the main thing. We want to keep developing these students 
on Lynn's campus. Um, when it comes to applying in general, though, we are test optional. We are looking at the essay. We're looking at why Lynn. So it's really important they do their research. Um, but we are reading every single application and taking the time. I mean, these students think about it, spend more than four years, but technically like from ninth grade through 12th grade, they're building their resume quote, you know? And so I have to do my due diligence and pay my respect to them that they've been building this for four years. And so I need to put a lot of time, effort and thought into whether or not they're going to be a good fit for us. And like I said, as long as we see potential in them in many different areas, they have a good chance of getting in at Lynn. Well, I appreciate the fact that you're very mindful in helping students grow in all areas, academically, socially, and what have you, so that they can be contributors when they're on your campus at Lynn, but also after they graduate. So that's great insight. And of course, Justin, the overall number of applications schools are receiving are on the rise thanks to many things such as the test optional movement, the common app, which streamlines it for everyone. So with an increase in applications, how do you determine how many students to accept, waitlist, or even deny when you don't necessarily know how many of these applicants will actually attend if accepted? Right. So that's always like the difficult <laughs> challenge, right, throughout <laughs> the year and like trying to um, make sure we're doing what we can. I would say, you know, I just talked about having potential in students, but we want to see the growth. So, so looking at that transcript and seeing if they've grown from ninth to 12th grade, um, seeing if they challenge themselves a little bit, what they were involved with outside the classroom is really important to us socially. And um, if, you, you know, they contributed to volunteer work or, or community service, maybe they had a part-time job. So um, we don't want the student that's going to go to attend class and then go sit in their dorm. We want them to be vibrant and productive members on and off campus as well. So that is, a, I mean, a really difficult question. I love, love, love that so many um, students are being able to have the opportunity to apply and attend colleges. Um, but I would say that when it comes down to the application itself, we're not going to deny anyone the opportunity to come to Lynn based off of, uh, you know, capping the size of the class. If you are a good fit for us in all areas, we're going to take you. And a lot of times, you know, when it comes to the wait list too, we will put a student, if they have a 2.5, let's say GPA, we're going to put them on the wait list in the very beginning of the school year and say, hey, we see potential in you. So let's you know, circle back in two months and we want to see an updated transcript. Um, so we give them the opportunity well in advance. We're not letting them know wait lists in like April. Um, you know what I mean? So sure. giving them the opportunity to improve and let them know that we see potential so they can put their foot on the gas a little bit. <laughs> Understood. And Justin, can you share the percentage of students that apply from out of state and does the application differ based on in-state or out-of-state students? In other words, I know that a lot of times there's institutional uh, needs, and so there might be percentages of how many students you could accept from out-of-state. So any information you could share in terms of that would be greatly appreciated. Sure. There, there is no difference. I can say that there's no difference on the application or you know, the percentages that we're accepting in and out of state. Great. I would say we're almost at about a 50-50 when it comes to applications. Um, when it comes to students who actually enroll 
uh, our out-of-state population is a little bit higher. In fact, the Northeast Great. is quite uh, a large percentage in, as well. I know from New York, we have over uh, 95 students this year alone from, from New York. But right. from the Northeast, from Connecticut on through, there's over 115. New Jersey and uh, Maryland, Delaware, there's another 100 ish there. Um, so most of the students are coming from the Northeast region. And uh, we've seen that in trends, you know, throughout the years, over a decade now. People are flocking down to Florida, having second homes there. But, uh, you know, Florida is the only, the Southeast region, per se, is the only area of the United States that keeps growing in um, high school graduates, too. So it's a plus for us. But we're also very large in our international population as well. So I, I, about 18% this year will be our international population uh, coming from Central and South America, different parts of Europe and the Middle East, too. So uh, we were actually ranked the second most diverse school in the nation this past year. Um, I think we're very <laughs> proud of. Yeah, we're very proud of that. And, you know, you come on campus, it's going to be a diverse um, environment for everyone. Well, that's terrific. You talk about your diversity and the fact that, yes, many of your students are coming from the Northeast, living in the Northeast myself. Uh, I could understand why they would want to be in Florida, particularly uh, throughout the winter when uh, it's snowing and cold up here in the Northeast. So again, we appreciate that. And Justin, what is the average profile of the current freshman class in terms of GPA and any other related data that you collect, such as ACT or SAT scores? And if a student falls a little lower than that mid 50%, what are some of the things that they can do to enhance their overall application? Sure. So, I mean, I'll start with numbers first. Uh, on the application, we're looking at like a 3.2 GPA is about average for our students. Uh, it's a little bit higher when they when it comes to enrolling. That shoots up to about a 3.4 for who actually enrolls. But um, for the average SAT, we're looking at just about 1,200. And then for the ACT, we're looking at about a 26 is average as well. And as I mentioned earlier, we were test optional. So if like myself, I wasn't a great test taker throughout <laughs> high school. And I feel Neither like I. <laughs> when I applied for college, like test optional was not a thing. So, um, you know, maybe I would have got a lot more acceptance letters if I <laughs> didn't have to submit my SATs. But it is what it is now. And I'm actually really happy that a lot of universities and colleges have moved towards this method um, because, you know, they like I said, they spend four years on their uh, resume, you know, their application for this new journey, this new step. And sometimes we're basing it off of one test that they take. Um, so I'm happy that we're test optional at least. And then if those students do fall under, uh, you know, the averages that we put out, that's totally fine as well. Uh, we want to see that they are going to be contributing in other areas and also come visit us. Like if you show that you're super interested, show that demonstrated interest. We have tons of events on campus and we have tons of regional events too. I host events in Long Island and Westchester. Um, my colleagues host events in New Jersey, Boston. So come come to these regional events. When we host these breakfasts, these information sessions, come meet me so I can uh, you know put a face to the application and build that rapport with you and get to know why you actually want to come to Lynn. And that's actually a part of the process as well. In our application, we have a why Lynn. And 
I can always separate the students who do their research and know who Lynn is and those who don't. For instance, they'll put in uh, the Why Lynn segment. Oh, I really want to attend the nursing school at Lynn. It's wonderful. Well, we don't have a nursing <laughs> program. So clearly you didn't do your research. <laughs> well, that's great advice. And I'm glad that you mentioned the Why Lynn supplemental essay because a lot of times students spend weeks perhaps months on the general essay they see that a school has one or two supplemental essays and they say oh you know i'm just going to rush through this it's not important it is important and what's important to understand is that in the general essay the admissions rep is trying to get a feeling of who you are as a student your character your thought process based on whatever story that you're sharing with them the supplemental essay students, it's important to understand, they're really looking to see if you understand the school itself. So why Lynn? As Justin said, if you are saying that you're going to apply to a nursing program there, and guess what? They don't offer nursing, you didn't do your homework. So it's very important to demonstrate your understanding of the institution, perhaps talk about why you see yourself there, what programs you see yourself in. And I think it's also important, and you mentioned it earlier, is to talk about how you're going to contribute to the overall community. So those are great pieces of advice. I'm glad you mentioned the supplemental. And also, Justin, you mentioned demonstrated interest and being test optional. So let's take it one at a time. Let's go with demonstrated interest. What are some of the things that students do to demonstrate their interest in attending Lynn? And do you track such things as part of your overall admissions process? Sure. So I, I would say that the demonstrated interest doesn't uh, break your application. However, I feel as though it can make your application. So if you're borderline and I've met you four times on the road at college fairs, high school visits, regional events like information sessions, and I see that you took the time, effort, the money to fly down to campus for an event, that to me says like you really want to come to Lynn. Um, so I really feel as though that might push you over to an accept um, from maybe a wait list or a deny. We do track all demonstrated interests. So every single email, phone call, uh, hop on a Zoom with me so we can just talk and have a conversation about Lynn. All of those are tracked and we have tons of events, as I mentioned, around the country too. So I highly suggest that everyone, even if you can't fly down to South Florida, we have like three virtual open houses that you could attend as well. So that's an opportunity as well. Well, that's great. You mentioned emails, phone calls, visits, whether they're in-person or virtual. And I love what you said. Demonstrated interest doesn't break your application, but it can make your application. So advice to students, whether or not a school talks about the fact that they uh, track it or not, it's very important for you to engage with them because you never know, as you mentioned, if it's the difference between getting you on a wait list or even off a wait list and an acceptance letter. So we appreciate that, Justin. Thank you so much. And I know that you, earlier you mentioned the test optional nature of Lynn. So can you share the percentage of students that applied and who were ultimately admitted that did not submit their test scores? Sure. So um, right now we're about 50-50 of those students who have submitted test scores and those who did not. I would suggest if you did not do so well on your SAT, ACT, do not submit it because we can make a pretty good decision 
based off of who you are as a student, as a person, with everything else that we have in the application besides the actual SAT or ACT scores. So ultimately, if you did really well on it, it can only help you, especially when it comes to financial aid and our scholarships. Um, so we do uh, award aid from 7000 to 21000 per year, and that's based off of GPA alone. So it's not like you have a 3.8 and I have a 1300 SAT score, and that's going to push you up into the next level of scholarship. The financial scholarships that we give, the merit-based scholarship, is solely based off of GPA. So no need to submit that. Well, that's great to know. In terms of the test optional nature, you said it's about a 50-50 split, which is great. But more importantly, you talked about the fact that you offer scholarships in the range of $7,000 to $21,000 a year. And the fact that it is determined based on GPA alone doesn't matter whether or not you submit an SAT or an ACT score. So I was curious in terms of the GPA, do you look at the GPA as indicated on the transcript or is it something that you recalculate as part of your process? Sure. Yes. Yeah. So we're just basing that merit-based scholarship off of the GPA. What's official on the transcript, as long as we can convert it to a 4.0 scale, um, that's what we're going to be using. Well, that's great to know. We appreciate that. And Justin, can you explain what opportunities does Lynn offer students that may have had an IEP while in high school in terms of helping to ensure that they continue to be successful once on your campus? Sure. So we're actually known for our Institute for Achievement and Learning. And about 20% of our entire student body on campus uh, take the opportunity to be a part of this. So it, it's those students who um, do have IEPs in high school. Uh, maybe they have dyslexia or ADHD and they need more time on test taking or more academic support uh, in terms of tutoring or um, academic coaching per se. So we do have this institute where they will have a one-on-one -on -one academic coach and they'll meet with them weekly for about an hour to go over any assignments that are upcoming. Um, and it's two different parts. It's going to be your academic tutoring, so actually subject matter. And then it's going to be academic coaching, how to stay organized, um, how to manage your time, those sort of things. And it does come with an extra fee. It's not included in the tuition, um, but it's an opportunity that not every university offers, and we're really proud to offer it to students because we think everyone should have the access and the equal and equitable opportunity to an education too. Well, that type of program is definitely not offered at every college or university, so we appreciate the overview in terms of your Institute for Achievement and Learning. Justin, as you probably know, I put the Office of Undergraduate Admissions in the episode show notes. So if there's anything else that you want to share with the students and parents, perhaps a link to the Institute for Achievement and Learning, please provide it to me and I'll make it available to the parents and students in the show notes. So this has been a phenomenal conversation. And before I get to the last question, Justin, I was just curious, is there a question that I didn't ask today or a topic that I didn't bring up that you'd like to talk about at this point? Sure. I just want to dive into what our block schedule looks like a little bit further. And this actually helps with the last question a little bit too. Those students who are coming in with IEPs and are part of the Institute of Achievement and Learning, it helps them out tremendously too. 
So at an, another institution, it's based off of semesters, and that's the same here at Lynn, essentially. You have a fall semester for 16 weeks and a spring semester for 16 weeks. However, in those 16 weeks, if you attend another university, you may take five or six courses at once and go to three different courses on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, the other three on a Tuesday, Thursday. And you're taking then those five or six finals the last week of the semester. And you're pretty much pulling your hair out, right? Because you're like (laughs) five finals, like in the same week. It's insane. At Lynn, that's never going to happen. We have the 16-week semester. We break it up into four different blocks. So block A, B, C, and D. And in those blocks, it's four weeks each. And you're going to attend uh, class Monday through Thursday for two and a half hours each day. Fridays are reserved for our experimental learning. So if you had, if you're taking a bio class and you have a lab, the lab will always be that Friday. If you have an internship or you want to shadow, you can use that Friday to shadow. Our education students are in classes Monday through Thursday, then Friday, they're substitute teaching and making money actually as a freshman. So we use Fridays to get them into their uh, careers, to get them into experimental learning, community service, whatever it may be. But when it comes to the block schedule, you know, after four weeks and you're going to take your final and then move on to block B. So you take one class at a time. Block A, one class, take your final, move on to block B. Take one class for four weeks, take your final at the end of those four weeks, move on to block C. Sometimes students will take two courses in block C to keep up with 15 credits. um, And then block D, they'll go back to one. But this really, when I talked about that retention and our GPAs overall have really skyrocketed because of this method. You know, it allows students to focus and hone in, build a great rapport with their professors and their peers in the classroom. And, you know, we're getting them ready for the real world, too, because my boss doesn't give me 16 weeks to work on a project. You know what I mean? So why are we giving students the thought process of you're going to have four months to work on this? So, you know, those four weeks are really getting them prepared. If you're a graphic designer and someone needs something turned around to you in, uh, five business days, we're getting them prepared because in that classroom, it's four weeks only. Um, But they still are, you know, taking 12 to 15 credits each semester. It's still 16 weeks in the fall and in the spring. And then we do have accelerated programs too. So I'd say a a large majority of our majors, you can graduate in three years. A lot of schools have like a four plus one. Um, Ours is an accelerated three-year program. So you'll take about 18 credits per semester, and then one summer semester as well. And you can graduate a year early. And the best part about that is that we absorb the cost of the fourth year. So if you were to attend another university and that 18th credit, usually you have to pay an extra fee on top of and pay that out of pocket. We absorb that cost for you. So you're saving about fifty dollars to $55,000 for that final year, and, and we take that on. Well, that's truly amazing. I'm glad you shared that because obviously the finances, the cost of college is uh, a conversation for many students and their families out there. And I also love your philosophy in terms of how you block schedule. That truly is something that is unique to Lynn. And I know of a lot of students, including my youngest daughter, who certainly could have uh, benefited from that type of programming. I was curious in terms of the block scheduling. So you mentioned that each course is taken 
over four weeks. Do the students have the ability, if they wish to take more than just the one course in that four-week block? Yes, they do. Um, so some students who want to take advantage of like that three-year accelerated program, they'll take two courses, block A, then block right. B, take one course, block C, take two courses, block D, take one. So that's about 18 credits there. Right. Um, but they usually might pair it with something easier too. So if you're in a block and you want to take two courses, maybe you're taking, uh, you know, Lin 101, which is our freshman se seminar right. with like a chemistry. Um, so you have something harder, something a little bit easier um, to, to rack up those credits too and still um, graduate on time. And, you know, we have so many resources, as I mentioned in our first question, like, it's an intimate setting. You can't walk on campus without someone knowing you, waving at you. You have so many people in your corner. You have me as an admissions counselor. You have a financial aid counselor directly for you. You have your academic advisor who you plan your schedules with, who you pick up a minor, different certificates with. Um, so there's so many people in your corner that like you cannot fail in any area at Lynn, which I love. Well, it truly sounds like you have something for everyone, and I really appreciate the overview in terms of helping students that may have had an IEP in high school. Everything that you shared is certainly something that many students out there really need. So again, Justin, anything that you want me to put in the show notes in terms of any links, of course, explaining even further your block scheduling or your Institute for Achievement and Learning, just provide it to me, and of course, we'll make it available in the show notes. So this has been a great conversation. Unfortunately, it does lead us to the last question, which is what are your top three pieces of advice that you would provide a student and their parents getting ready for the college admissions process? Sure. So the first uh, you know, piece of advice that I would give is do your research. And I'm not just specifically saying about Lynn. Do your research on what type of university you're looking for. Um, the different majors that you might be interested in. And then that leads me into keeping an open mind, too. So you never really know what a school has to offer until you actually go and do your research. Maybe you go and visit. So keep an open mind. I thought I wanted that huge school with 35,000 students, that ESPN game day football on Saturdays <laughs> kind of feeling when I went to college. But I quickly realized that wasn't for me. So Keep an open mind, do your research. And finally, I would say be as persistent and gritty and go after what you want because that's like the most important thing is, is your happiness and your future. So um, just keep on pushing forward. Well, thank you so much for those pieces of advice. We really appreciate it. Justin, like I said, this was phenomenal and I'm so happy as I know this is gonna help so many students and their parents as they navigate through the college admissions process. I hope to have you again. Thank you so much, Justin. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on this episode of The Cap, the College Admissions Process Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please don't forget to tell a friend and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I am your host, John Durante, and I look forward to seeing you on the next episode of The Cap.